Hello, and welcome to the Factory Founder Podcast. My name is Adam Wakefield, Managing Editor at Founders Factory Africa. On today's episode, I'm very pleased to welcome in studio Nzwesisa Chidembo, Founder and Chief Executive Officer of RuskBlock, to the Factory Founder Podcast. Welcome, Nzwe. Thank you so much, Adam. It's great to be here. No, thank you very much for coming. I know you've had a very busy day, and so I'm glad we managed to get to this point because time is money as a founder. It, that is right. uh, that is true, especially when you're going through a burn rate quickly and you're looking for that product market fit. What product market fit? That's something we're definitely going to try to chat about. Yes. Maybe touch on burn rates as challenges if, if we get on that. So look, we very much appreciate you being in studio. So I think without further ado, let's let's get cracking. Rustbox. For those who don't know what it is, why does Riskbox focus and where did the inspiration for the business come from? The problem that we're trying to solve is to demystify the digital asset marketplace. What we have witnessed uh, within the marketplace is that over the last 10 years, uh, the number of digital assets available has basically exploded. So in the early days, one could more so get to understand the handful of assets that were there, but we have seen a 400-fold increase in the number of digital assets, and we are expecting to see the same more so propagation and explosion of assets even going forward when we start seeing real-world assets taking forms of, of digital assets. And yeah, we're trying to solve this challenge of investors, just getting to understand what's in the market and yeah, the risk exposure thereof. Mm. You're talking about the reputational problem one could call it about the crypto sector at large i think we're going to call it so to paraphrase you the problem you're solving is proliferation and it's and is it to say that it's important because crypto isn't going away blockchain perhaps more broadly isn't going away so it's about offering a screen to the investor to to, be the uneducated investor or even educated investors so where we are starting off right now is more so the educated, sophisticated investors who are looking to have a better feel of the risk exposure when it comes to a specific asset, then that then bring that insight into how they're actually looking to build their portfolio. So most of our current users, what we call professional crypto investors, as well as hedge fund managers with crypto exposure and some investment managers who have personal crypto portfolios who are looking to leverage their skill sets for this new asset class. You've just said the problem is proliferation and you're working with an audience that are educated and they're bringing a lot of their own technical knowledge perhaps to play. So the solution itself, how is it designed to match those strengths? Uh, Maybe if you could talk us through an example of how you're adding value to to these educated investors within the blockchain crypto space. Super interesting. How we're going about doing that is we have discovered that there is basically a suite of data sets that are important for these investors. But these uh, data sets are more so very fragmented. One has to make a lot of effort to actually pull all these data sets together and start building a perspective for a specific digital asset. And what we are attempting to do is to more so put together all all those digital data sets that are important for digital asset and then start creating a standardized methodology for investors to be able to more so 
filter through the different digital assets as they try to match their own risk appetite to what's available within the marketplace and also try to maintain a specific risk posture for their own portfolio. So it's uh, it's an interesting journey where on one side we are learning what is crucial for investors and on another side we are learning how then to actually create that scoring methodology that's within our platform and create it in such a way that it's ingestible to the broader audience. So learning from the few and then creating a product that the many can benefit from. I know based on your history, you were early, relatively early to crypto. Did that background knowledge having been involved in this space for now in a decade, now based based on your background, how valuable has it been coming from your target market, if I want to use that term, or your clients to a degree, because it sounds like quite a highbrow service. How valuable has that previous market experience, just being an investor yourself, wearing that hat, being when A, designing the product, and B, knowing which data is important in designing the solution, because I imagine data proliferation, much like the assets you're talking about, is a problem. So how valuable was that previous experience? You know what? It's a really fast-moving industry. That's that's mm. one thing that I got to say. So being very early on, the benefits that that I received from there was more so seeing the, uh, the ecosystem evolve. Okay. So even as the different digital assets started emerging, what was quite clear is that even the way that investors were now ascertaining and, and assessing these digital assets started maturing and changing. And, you know, up to today, I am surprised when I get onto a call with professional crypto investor and he says okay you know what this is an important data set to me because of x y and z right if you could incorporate such a score into your risk profiles then for me it will be a game changer so we are still surprised up to today as to how sophisticated some of these investors have actually become and the ways that they are more so seeking out these data sets in order to form a perspective. Because at the end of the day, this is a more so a different type of asset and they are nuanced data sets that are unique to this specific type of digital asset. And bringing that together doesn't, you know, one individual can't do it. It, it, it will mm -hmm. take a community to build risk block. Fair enough. I know you and the founding team, it's not just you. You have a founding team that's working really, really hard behind the scenes that is building risk block as we speak. I wanted to pick your brain on customer or client acquisition to a degree. How important are those insights? You, you sort of answered that, but how much time do you spend going to market to keep touching base or checking the pulse of your investor? And from a structural point of view, how important is that in terms of your customer acquisition strategy, getting insights from markets? This is one area where we have been more so striving to be in touch with, with our customer base and, and be very personal with them. So, you know, we started from a point in time in our journey where, you know, we were having you know, virtual calls. We started mm. transitioning to having some personal calls where, you know, it's, it's just the investor on the other side of the table and we just have a conversation about their journey, their pain points. We are transitioning to a point in time whereby we're trying to have as many of, of our investors just on WhatsApp, 
right? If we work on a, a feature in the morning, we, we have it in their hands via WhatsApp in the afternoon. And they're basically just typing away and say, ah, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Please change this, you know, so that I can understand it better. So our, our focus right now is to just get the feedback as quickly as possible because what we are building is 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 something that is not necessarily in the market mm-hmm. it's quite unique so there's quite quite a bit of ip that we are building into our platform and the way that it works and the way that it more so shares the insights of the risk profiles so it has it has become quite evident to us that we need to have that high touch point and frequent mm-hmm. touch point with our users on the platform. Okay, well, that goes to the community point uh, that you're talking about. Um, and those impersonal interactions, would it be fair to say that those interactions have helped build trust? I mean, you're sharing your critical product and IP with, we'll call it high value stakeholders in that sort of sense. Were those personal engagements and now WhatsApp vital? Is trust in a nutshell at the center of what you're trying to do at Block to a degree? Yeah, no, you're spot on. You're spot on. I think it always goes a step further, uh, especially within this ecosystem, if you know the other person on the side of of the virtual call or on the other side of a WhatsApp message. Mm -hmm. And just having that opportunity to be able to, to interact with some of our users in person just brings about a different dimension. Just mm-hmm. today, we were uh, having a conversation with another founder who's building more so an asset tokenization platform mm-hmm. that that allows for real-world assets to have a representation on the blockchain. And just, just having that ability to just sit sit across from one another and just share ideas, share opportunities, share viewpoints. It creates that uh, that strong rapport with our users and that allows them also to be very comfortable and and mm. be be frank with us as they share feedback. So I think it's 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 definitely an advantage uh, having that strong connection. You're an African founder, but blockchain and crypto is worldwide. Are you building a product for an international market, an African market? Because one could assume the way, and by African market, I mean 55 different African markets and probably several major ones in that mix. Do you do you view markets in that sense? Or or you rather thinking about customer profiles regardless of where they may be in terms of the people you're trying to serve? Just given the way that African users may use it as a currency hedge, while maybe someone in the States could be using it to diversify their portfolio. So I'm just to see your view on that geographical spread. Is it relevant at all? Or am I thinking about it in the wrong so way? I think what we have done is that we have leveraged our network, our mm. very close network to get going and to, to, to start building that tight-knit community and cohort of investors who can give us quick feedback. Mm. But what is clear, though, is that the platform that we are building, because of the nature of the data sets that we are, we are, we are leveraging, I mean, one of our partners, for instance, is CB Insights, one of the mm. global market intelligence providers in the world. And we are working with similar players. And, and because of that nature, 
uh, it basically means that our risk score can be used by anyone who's yes in South Africa, mm. anyone in Kenya, anyone in Hong Kong, or even Dubai, or even all the way to the states, right? So. Because of the nature of the product that we are building, mm. there is an element of it being more so a global platform for, for anyone who's looking for uh, opportunities within the digital asset marketplace. I'm going to very quickly pivot to, you mentioned burn rates. The, the meta environment at this stage, and we're recording this in April of 2023, belts have tightened a lot. Interest rates are higher. As a founder and also with your founding team, when you're managing your burn rate, what's top of mind for you? What do you think? What are the two or three most important things that impinge your burn rate? And in a sense, what boundaries do you set for yourself, if any, to help manage manage the expectation? When managing burn rate, I think mm. the top question that is always in my mind is, are we using the resources that we have on what is of most priority to the mm. business at that point in time? And just making sure that we optimize that that spend and that focus, right? So, you know, what's quite clear, especially in 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 the Web three blockchain space, mm. there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. So having having that super focus is very critical, and also knowing ex knowing where you are as a team where you are as a business mm. as well is also super critical so on our side it's always top of mind to say okay we've got x number of resources what is our priority how can we more so use as many of those resources to reach that high priority of ours because yeah there's always things to do and you can't be at every event you can't yes. be chasing every opportunity that might come your way because yeah you you quickly run out of yeah runway at the end, it, it equates to time. Like you run out of time. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you have a general methodology when approaching a problem? How do, how do you address problem solving in in your business when something attracts you? Do you come at from context of okay, this is the problem. It's specific to what I'm dealing with, or do you deal it with with it from a more structural point of view, where you leverage a certain method to attack different problems and to find solutions? In short, how do you go about problem solving? I mean, we've we've had to learn about experimentation at mm. not not only at scale but at speed. So initially, we started realizing that we held quite a number of biases from from our perspective as a team, mm. and it was clear that we needed to more so be quite objective as we have conversations with with our users, with with some of the customers, and just get that objective view. So what we have more so done is is to be super experimental focused where it's it's not the focus is not necessarily whether an experiment passes or fails on our end but it's more so what have we learned? Yes, we put a marker to say for this experiment this is the criteria that we're trying to hit but more so 
how far were we able to get to that marker but what what mm. did we learn like do we want to continue iterating on this experiment or do we want to just shut it down altogether because clearly our hypothesis is not is not resonating with what we are trying to achieve and basically by doing that our experiments we make sure that our experiments are more so tied into our mm. our company objectives and we measure once in a while to see okay how how far are we going in terms of answering our our company objectives mm. but also we 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 tend to always revisit how it is we are actually running experiments so more so critiquing the process itself quite quite frequently to just make sure that if there is something that we as a team feel is not working well we 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 try to more so address it immediately and improve ourselves so it's not only about improving the product you know improving our positioning mm. and, you know improving how we how we talk with with our customers but it's literally how improving also how we do things as a team and how we interact and work together so there's a lot of iteration mm. and a lot of uh, learning and you know sometimes it means us running ab testing but more so it's really about fa- trying by all means to fail quickly and learn from that a feedback loop plugged into the fundamentals yeah, yeah. of what you're trying to achieve which sounds great in paper but i'm sure practically <laughs> is not as simple as one could speak uh, i mean riskblock's really young i was only founded in 2022 and you personally you worked at founders factory africa prior to founding riskblock I mean, you've spoken about the idea but the background of your professional history coming from an early stage investor such as Founders Factory Africa, where was that a positive and was it a negative in certain respects? I know that you've worked with FFA in terms of helping to build your business, but I'm sure it doesn't sound a, a full straight runway, to put it that way. So what did you learn and perhaps what could have been done better, I guess, or what could have been improved on, perhaps, if you want to take it from that perspective? In terms of the journey and the and the prior experience, mm. I think it, for me personally, it went a long way. Mm. I continue to rely on my experience and my learnings as I was helping other founders as part of the Founders Factory Africa team to a great deal. This is more so just learning by seeing mm. others succeed after failing and struggling and seeing it happen at scale to mm-hmm. actually you know get that visual picture that okay you know a startup means struggle but there is an opportunity for great success at the end of the day and great reward so seeing that but also just having the opportunity to work with founders and and work deeply not not just broadly but really take time sometimes to to tr- solve some of the nitty-gritty detailed issues mm. has also helped me to be able to more so change my focus at any given time uh. when I'm working within the team. So when, you know, realizing that, oh, no, I think this is a strategic problem, then zooming out, then when it's a technical challenge, zooming in and, and trying to remove those blockers for the team. So just just having that tremendous agility mm. is something that I learned at great length at, uh, you know, working with the Founders Factory Africa team.
What surprised you the most about how your users and, in a sense, your community use the product? What's the most surprising thing about it? Is it you've already hinted at it? They're a lot more informed than perhaps you thought they would be. Are there any interesting insights just about how the crypto and blockchain community have brought to the table when interacting with RiskBlock? I think. On my end, one of the most exciting things is is getting you know an investment manager or hedge fund manager or one of these mm. professional crypto investors or even a crypto platform builder on the call, hearing their enthusiasm and and their excitement for the ecosystem, even though we are in a bear market. And just hearing their plans and how they are building, and how they see our our platform are playing a part of their ecosystem and their world, that for me just gives me a ton of energy mm-hmm. and excitement to continue building, because you know as a as a founder you always question to say, you know, is this opportunity. Am I the only one seeing it? Is it isolated to just my my mind alone? But when you when you get that feedback and 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 you 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 get it over and over again to say that okay this is a serious problem to solve and it's going to become even more important in the future mm-hmm. to solve. Yeah, that is that is uh, that is an energy booster for us. So so for me that's that that has been surprising just to interact with amazing individuals who are thinking about solving this problem in different ways and learning from them in order to build this tremendous product it's been yeah it's been truly truly amazing quickly to pivot to the hard numbers of the the, the raising environments i know you always wanting to talk to investors and burn rate as you know the top of mind should be for, for most founders when dealing with investors for those listening What's the most interesting insight you've gathered from dealing investors, i.e. What, what are they really looking for beyond the product, I guess? I mean, there's always the idea and the business, but what are some of one or two intangibles you can think about that maybe investors treat as a red flag or, or something that's a green light saying, well, we should keep talking regardless of what the idea is, just based on your experiences? A good track record is definitely important. Investors talk. So, uh, <laughs> to each you, other. Yeah. Oh, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, texting yeah, the talk. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it, it's not surprising if you, you have a chat with one investor within the ecosystem and they reach out to another investor right. to, to quickly get a heads up on, on what the community feels mm. about not only the business, but uh, the team as well. So I think that's been quite quite interesting to see, and and looking at the fact that I think when when you look at the African continent, the number of investors that are more so focused on blockchain and Web three, it's 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 quite a small neat community. Uh-huh. So there's there's an opportunity to actually get to know eighty percent of of all the players that are there fairly quickly. So that's that's been quite interesting. Uh, what 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 has been surprising to us as well is uh, how you know the importance of the team as well mm. we've gotten that feedback quite a bit from from investors saying that okay we will continue more so tracking and monitoring you because we feel that you've got quite a strong team behind you so that's that that is something that that sticks out but i think one of the most surprising aspects has been that 
you know, investors tend to have, you know, their own specific markers for certain startups based on a specific growth growth stage that they're in. So getting to 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 know those data points that they're looking for has actually been quite interesting and eye-opening. Not all of them are the same. Yes. Right. But you start realizing certain themes to say, oh, okay, this is what this type of investor looks for for them. What's important is, you know, for example, monthly recurring revenue. Mm. For this investor, okay, they are they are really sold into more so learning about engagement from a platform perspective. This investor is not even interested about the numbers. They're just keen to know how strong the team is. Okay. That's their key data point and, and their exposure within the ecosystem and how they're building. So, yeah, getting to, to, to learn those interesting themes, but also putting faces behind those themes and teams behind those themes. It's been, it's been an interesting exercise. Behavior and brand matters, and each investor comes at the maturity curve with a new, new perspective. You know, who said being, being a founder was easy? Uh, I imagine <laughs> with all, all this complexity, it's not. It's not. It's not. Well, let's stop there. So running a business is hard, but I'm sure it's incredibly rewarding. And Zui, thank you so much for spending your time with us. So I wish we could talk some more, but the clock has struck 12. Thank you so much for joining us on the Factory Founder podcast. It's been great listening to you. Thank you so much, Adam. That's been, been a pleasure. Uh, last question. If anyone wants to learn about more about RiskBlock and ReachArt, where can they go? They can also go to our website, which is uh, riskblock.com. So that's B-L-O-Q at the end. And yeah, uh, you have access to our platform and start learning about more about digital assets within the ecosystem. And with that, this is The Factory, Building in Africa. And Zui Chidembo has been the founder on the show. Thank you for listening.